Sing Second Sports is a ProVision Advisors production. Our business is public relations, coaching, and strategy. If you are in the market for communication road mapping, media relations, social and digital branding, coaching and event preparation, or any other services that you think we can be of value, please reach out at www.provisionadvisors.net. Hey, hey, welcome aboard another great episode of the Sing Second Sports Podcast. This is your post-game report brought to you by Sheehy Lexus in Annapolis. Conveniently located on Ferguson Road off of Route 50 in Annapolis, Sheehy Lexus is a proud sponsor of the Sing Second Sports Podcast, and Bill Wagner is going to say a little bit more about them here when I kick it to him. But we are going to talk about the game that was and the deja vu that was experienced uh, yesterday, as we record this on Sunday, the 49 to 7 uh, defeat of the Navy Midshipmen at the hands of the Marshall Thundering Herd. Um, and really, much like last year's game, which ended with BYU putting a 50 plus spot on us, this game wasn't out of reach completely at the beginning, but felt that way. And um, we just could not get it going, as we said during our various live shots on Twitter and Instagram throughout the game. Hard time getting every, anything established. Hard time with special teams. Really hard time with special teams. And then just the continuity at the quarterback position. Uh, we saw three quarterbacks play yesterday, and I'm not necessarily sure if we have any granularity on how we go forward. But First of all, Wags, let me kick it over to you for a little bit more on Sheehy Lexus and the things that stood out to you as the Mids went 0-1 to start this 2021 campaign. Well, real quickly, I want to thank Sheehy Lexus of Annapolis for coming aboard as a sponsor of the Sing Second Sports Podcast. And we're, we're going to think it'll be great for this game day uh, post-game report that we're doing. Um, I've known Paul LaRochelle, the general manager of Sheehy Lexus, a long time. He's a great guy and he's a huge supporter of Navy athletics and Navy football in particular. In fact, I was making my way off the field at Notre Dame Stadium in South Bend, heading for the tunnel to go to the post-game press conference. And who do I run into? But uh, Paul La Rochelle, who was watching the game from the sideline that day in South Bend. But, uh, you know, she Lexus does a great job. I have some friends that have purchased vehicles from she Lexus, and they said the experience is outstanding. The service is tremendous. Um, I think one of the uh, vows of Sheehy Lexus is that they treat every customer like a guest in their own home. And uh, I just, uh, I'm very proud that we're associated with Sheehy Lexus of Annapolis, which is a quality auto dealership. Now, on to the game. What a disappointment. Um, We were told that BYU was entirely the result of the fact that Navy had no spring practice and did not hit during August camp. We were told that Navy was completely prepared this year because they did have spring camp and they did hit during August training camp. And that is why what happened on Saturday was so disappointing. Um, My initial takes are first and foremost stunned by the defense. Um, That's a veteran unit. 13 players who have starts under their belts, something like 20 plus that have played significant action 
So that's an experienced group led by Brian Newberry, who we know can dial it up and has proven that his defenses can lock down opponents. And it just, it didn't look at all like the Brian Newberry defense. They did not pressure at all. They sat back in coverage. Grant, well, first play from scrimmage said it all was just kind of set the tone. He sat back there for like 10 seconds and no Navy defender even crossed the line of scrimmage. He had a personal protector in the backfield. And that guy was like, just standing there. Like I'd like to hit somebody, but nobody's even coming back here. So and guys are going to come wide open. I mean, this Corey Gamage that the, the clique Heaton, I mean, these guys are fast, quick receivers. They're not going to, Navy is not going to run stride for stride with them in coverage. So I, I, uh, Kenny Amatololo said after the game that that was the plan to initially come out in coverage, not a lot of pressure, kind of settle in, see what Marshall was doing. But by the time that Navy started finally bringing some blitzes, it was 21 nothing. So the defense was the big disappointment for me. I mean, I said on our preseason, our picks that Navy would win 21 17. I thought the defense would deliver the victory. And no, not at all. 49 points, disappointing. Offensively, there were some bright spots. Uh, Navy knew, moved the ball in spurts. The problem was finishing. Navy could not finish. There would be always some sort of hiccup in each drive that stalled things. And, you know, the all you have to do here the, to me are the key statistics. Navy was um, in the red zone one for five. That's all you need to know. You know, five, five opportunities to score touchdowns or field goals, and you only come away with one touchdown. And then third and fourth down conversions combined 11 of 26 on third and fourth down conversions. They couldn't convert. If, if early in the game, Navy drives into uh, Marshall territory, and they go for it on fourth down at, like, the 47-yard line of Marshall. Lavatai rolls out. It's a nice play call. Um, they've got a, Cooper open in the flat. Ty delivers the ball and Michael drops it. That's your senior wide receiver, co-captain, dropping an easy catch that should have been a first, and he would have run for 15 yards. If he had caught that and turned up field, he would have run for 15 yards. They would have been first and goal. So that's my initial thoughts. Um, maybe, Ward, you jump in. From what was the view from the sideline? Yeah, Ward, I mean, we were talking before we came on that, um, yeah, that we could probably – we could probably get me with all of my Sergio Garcia hitches in my golf swing to hit a golf ball uh, in less time than it took uh, us to get a punt off. Um, from your perspective, there were certain things that really seemed slow. Um, we'll, we'll go to the two timeouts that were taken or burned in the first half, debating um, a fourth down play, delay of game penalties, and then really the slowness um, on special teams, particularly with the blocked kicks, from your perspective down there at the field level, did it seem like we were just a step behind? So to go back to Wags's point that Coach made on media day when I asked him the question about last year's, particularly I, I couched it in terms of the defensive performance, and he said we didn't practice. And so expectation was set there. I used the word sanguine um, that he, they were ready. And so to your point about the pace, to your point about some of the fundamentals, to your point about the four-step punts, um, walking the, the field goal back uh, through 
penalties, you know, what, 15 yards that made the azimuth of that pretty much right into the numbers of the defensive linemen. Um, as Wags just said, one for five in the red zone. Um, it just didn't look like we put a, a product on the field that was ready for, for game day. And, uh, you know, so I, I think everything we were told um, on media day so far, again, first game, we know this team has the ability to be resilient and bounce back. They don't have a whole lot of time to get their act together against a service academy rival on 9-11 next Saturday. But let's not chuck the whole season out based on one terrible performance. I think that's the worst loss in, in the history of me doing the chain gang for seven seasons. Um, but uh, that, you know, part A was, was just what you're saying, John, which is just the, the fundamentals, the preps. Part B is what Wags just mentioned about Coop's draws from, from Ty's pass there. So the defense totally bit on the, the fake on that play and had Coop caught it, I think that would have given Ty the confidence he needed there at that sort of, you know, formulate formulative part of his tenure as the starter. I thought it was kind of cool because as we were looking at the pregame warmups, um, it, it didn't look like he was going to get the start. And then, then he came out as they made the announcements. I'm like, Oh, they just said Ty Labatai. So I thought that was good sort of sleight of hand, uh, you know, sort of intrigue that they pulled off there. Uh, and then, you know, it, it didn't really work out. Um, and, and so um, they brought X back out and, and then went to the third stringer and, and that didn't really work out either. I couldn't make anything stick or, or they did have uh, a driver two that moved. And I know this because I was sprinting um, with the down box and I was doing that a lot for Marshall. The other thing I will say is Marshall was gigantic um, and they, they smashed us in the mouth from the jump, you know? And, and so as we prognosticated last, last week, we knew, we thought it was going to be close. Nobody ever said it was going to be a blowout because Marshall's, you know, in the backwoods of West Virginia, but you know, they, they just came to play and they executed till the, the very end. I mean, you could say they ran up the score. There were some comments being made on, on that front. The only thing I will say in terms of the tenor on the sidelines, um, and I want to watch sort of talking out of school, um, is the coaching staff did not freak out at any point. Um, they, they, were, they were calm. They were just dealing with what they got. Um, there weren't any, you know, rants or any throwing of clipboards so um i don't know maybe that maybe they were stunned i i don't know but uh everybody's very professional they they stayed in it to the end um i know there was some concern about the pace of of getting plays off you know and and, and uh uh you know it, they were they were they were actually helping marshall at some points by running the clock out when they needed to put points on the board it was kind of like when we're leading what we were able to do, uh, you know, back in the Keenan Reynolds era, we could, you know, spend seven minutes working the ball down the field. They were doing that, except we were losing by, you know, 40 some odd points. Um, so a lot of work to do. Um, obviously a disappointing opener. And uh, I think we're all kind of stunned at this point. Yeah. I, well, I'll, 
I'll ask Wags to hop back in here for what I believe um, the two biggest talking points are. And, and the first one involves what happened during the game, and that's the end of the first half, uh, the very quizzical decision um, to, to run that play with no timeouts and only 13 or so seconds left. Um, the opportunity was there to try to at least get some points on the board and turn frowns upside down and get a little bit of momentum. And, and the play call was just, in my opinion, wildly head scratching. And, and I, I'm not trying to criticize the coaching staff in any way. I just, I, I wondered what happened there. And, and then going forward, you know, having seen Lavatai, having seen our line, Masai Maynard getting in the game, how much of a talking point do you think uh, the quarterback position will be this week, Wags? Well, let's start with the play at the end of the first half. And it was very, very disappointing. I mean, you're down 21 nothing, but you can get some momentum. You score a touchdown and, you know, you're in it. You've, you've got some momentum going at halftime, a little positive news. And uh, you hope you can come out and maybe close the gap further. Um, Xavier did a good job of moving the offense down the field. He broke loose for like a 19-yard run. Many found Cooper in the flat for a 22-yard gain. Cooper got brought down at the five-yard line. I was in the press box screaming, get out of bounds, get out of bounds, because I knew they needed to stop the clock. Now let's go back. They had no timeouts left. Why did they not have two timeouts left? Because we did the thing that we do every time where we, um, if we're going for it on fourth down, we line up and then look at what the defense is doing. And I understand what they're doing. They want to see what kind of alignment the defense is in to determine whether they think they have a play that they can make a, a conversion on. But unfortunately, that's a timeout. And then coach had to call another timeout because the play clock was about to run out. And that was a continual issue. As Ward mentioned, Ty was letting the play clock run down far too low. They had... A two delay of game penalties, really unbelievable. A delay of game on a punt. That's just unbelievable, a delay of game on a punt. But they had a, a two delay of game penalties. And the other timeout that was wasted, in my opinion, was because they had to prevent a delay of game because the play clock was about to run out. So they have no timeouts. And that's why I wanted Coop to get out of bounds to stop the clock. But it didn't matter. It was a first down. So the play of the clock did stop. And then they, they, called a play and I I thought it looked like a design um naked bootleg. Um Xavier immediately you know rolled left. It, it looked like a design naked bootleg. But in the post-game press conference, Coach Niamh said in that situation, you have to get rid of the ball. So basically what he was saying is you run only if you know 100 percent you're going to walk in and score a touchdown. As soon as Xavier confronted three defenders and realized there was no path to the end zone. Coach was saying he should have thrown it out of the back of the end zone, stop the clock, at least we get a field goal. So, you know, maybe a youthful mistake there because what basically Xavier did is he kind of just went down and obviously Navy could not get back to the line of scrimmage to clock the ball. Time expires and it's just, it, it looks Mickey Mouse. I'm sorry. It, that is just does not look like major college football game management. And it cost Navy points. Even a field goal would have been some sort of positive momentum going into halftime. Um, with regard to the quarterbacks, I saw positive things out of 
both of the top two quarterbacks, Ty and Xavier. And as we know, they're different. And we saw those differences on the field. Um, Ty is definitely a Willworth, Zach Amy type between the tackles runner. And he picked up some good yardage. I mean, he's like, you know, he kind of barrels into between the tackles. And by the time he go leans forward, it's three or four yards, which in typical triple option, that's good. Three, four yards of carry and that you convert in first downs. The problem came when Navy dropped back to pass. Ty looked very indecisive. Um, first of all, I didn't like, he didn't take much of a drop back. He was not as deep into the, the backfield as I would have liked to have seen. He was a little too close to the line of scrimmage. I do not know if that was by design or not, but it resulted in a batted down pass. And another time he ate the ball because he knew he would have was going to get the pass batted down. He was too close to the line of scrimmage. And if he threw, the ball wasn't going to get over the defender's outstretched arms. So I, I didn't understand that. And Ty wound up one of six throwing the ball, which again, there was a drop in there. But, you know, he, his, he we we're told that he was the, uh, by far the better passer than Xavier. And that was part of the reason I think he started. He brought passing element, but we did not see that in this game. And then Xavier showed us what Xavier can do. He can, he has the potential to break long runs. He had two runs that he broke for double digit yardage. And that's the ability he brings. He's got, you know, a little bit of a breakaway threat and he, he completed two or three passes, including that one nice throw to Michael Cooper that should have set up some sort of score. So my take coming out of this is that Xavier should start against Air Force. When, and it may be a moot point because Ty Lavatai went down early in the second half and had to be helped off the field. He was walking very gingerly. He was under his own power, but um, we don't know what the nature of his injury is. But based off what I saw, uh, I think X deserves to get the start against Air Force. So, so Tom, go ahead and take us out with you know what your what your assessment is of the quarterback position and in general what we need to do going forward to the Air Force game. So just to add a little bit of intel to what Wags was just uh, wondering about, Ty was wearing a knee brace uh, at the end of the game. I, my assessment of the quarterback position is here we go again, right? Massive entropy at the quarterback position. And Wags just did his normal, beautiful job of the goods and others of each guy who played. And at the end of that, we're, we're not left with a clear decision, except if Ty is hurt, then obviously uh, Xavier Arline is going to be your starter. Um, and uh, so what we know is this offense doesn't work unless you've got a field general a la Keenan Reynolds or Malcolm Perry. And, and that's what needs to emerge. Will Worth, you know, all the successful seasons we've had in recent years have been a by and large a function of a somebody who, who knows how to uh, run the triple option decisively. Um, my, my observation of, of X is at, at the snap, he's, he's already made his decision. I think Ty seemed a little more uh, adept, a little more uh, agile with respect to the idea that he might pitch the ball. But, you know, in terms of the rest of what he was bringing to the table, I think I'll just put it off to new and, and 
you know, he, he was an assistant in some of the early plays with, uh, with success. And, you know, that success yields a lot of confidence. And maybe, again, back to Coop's drop, maybe uh, had he caught that one and run for 15 at Wags, imagined he would have, then maybe this emboldens, you know, sometimes games come down to those moments. Um, it just seemed like a collective sort of, um, you know, heads down from that point on. Uh, you know, and maybe that's over extrapolating the moment, but uh, I'm concerned. The color me concerned based on some of the things that we thought were keys to the season, not just keys to the game, but keys to the season. One was quarterback who's running the triple option decisively. Second was defense that, that is going to the ball. Um, and, and we saw neither of those things yesterday. Gentlemen, expert analysis as uh, usual. Um, you know, we hate doing post-game reports like this uh, that that involves so many negative points. Um, but we we certainly are hopeful that you know another tough week in the uh, on the practice fields and um, you know just the how special the rivalry is with Air Force will will get a better product um, in the end. And we're going to bring you a bunch of Air Force coverage. This coming week, um, a lot of 9-11 stories, a lot of special interviews, um, but we're going to go to break right now. And when we return, we'll take this out. We'll get you caught up with what happened with the Olympic sports and elsewhere uh, in Navy athletics. So stick with us. This is the Navy postgame report brought to you by Sheehy Lexus in Annapolis. So many thanks to our friends at Sheehy for being such great sponsors and supporters. We're going to go to break. When we come back, Ward, Wags, and I will take this baby out. Thanks again for joining our Sheehy Lexus of Annapolis post-game podcast. If you're looking for more in-depth coverage of Navy football, check out Bill Wagner, Keenan Reynolds, and Eric Catani on the Believe Podcast Network. That's B-L-E-A-B, Believe. They do a recap show that looks just at the week that was in Navy football. And then they do a pod later in the week that looks ahead at the upcoming game. You can find that podcast and it's called Believe in Navy Football, B-L-E-A-V in Navy Football. You can find that wherever you listen to podcasts. So in addition to Sing Second Sports, check out Believe in Navy Football. Now back to the pod. All right. Hey, hey, we are back. Uh, thanks for sticking with us. Thanks to Wags and Ward for the awesome analysis, as usual. Um, you know, this is our first uh, official Sheehy Lexus uh, postgame report. Um, awesome analysis and appreciate the outlook. Um, as we all know, football was not the only show in town um, over this weekend. A bunch of stuff going on since we last talked to you. Women's soccer went on their road trip to Ohio. Um, Thursday night, they lost to the Ohio University Bobcats 1-0. And then today, um, in fact, as we're taping this on Sunday, it just went final from Ohio State. Uh, Navy soccer loses 2-1 to Ohio State. It was 1-1. Lotra from Ohio State, I watched it online put in an absolute zinger like Cristiano Ronaldo style. Uh, so an 0 and two road trip for women's soccer in Ohio over the weekend, uh, Friday, uh, men's soccer defeated Iona Cervello and I were there to see that at that time, uh, volleyball lost a tough one to Michigan three, one, 
uh, water polo. Uh, we swung by um, Lejeune on Saturday morning, Chris Cervello and I, uh, right at the conclusion of the game versus Cal, water polo loses 18-7 to a very impressive, very huge Cal team. They're number three in the country. We saw a couple of those dudes walking around Main Street afterwards, gigantic human beings playing water polo. And we're going to talk to Louis Nicolau as the season goes by about what he sees in his team. Um, I think they're going to be very good. They turned around and smoked Salem uh, later in the day on Saturday, 16 to 6. Volleyball again uh, yesterday, uh, lost to West Virginia 3-0. And then we all know what happened with football and Marshall. This is a Monday morning add to uh, John's Olympic sport wrap-up. Uh, the Navy men's soccer team defeated LaSalle last night 2-0. Matt Nasita and Baba Kali each tallied a score. And Tyler Fanning recorded his fourth career shutout. Reading from NavySports.com, a quick quote here from Tim O'Donohue. It wasn't pretty, but good teams win even when they don't play well, said the head coach. We were missing a couple guys tonight, so it wasn't a true team effort to pick up the win. We got a great effort in goal from Tyler Fanning, along with some great play from Baba. Now we have to recover and look ahead to Friday. Before I send it over to Wags and Ward to take us out, I should give all the props in the world to our very first guest picker champion, Chris Cervello, who went five and one with his picks, picked with his head and not with his heart. He was the only one in the group that did not pick Navy. So his Marshall pick proved to be wise. His very quizzical Miami of Florida pick over Alabama proved to be the only smudge on his record everyone else was four and two I was like two and four mine were horrible but at least as you all are interested in Villanova football smoked Lehigh on Saturday so that means all is well in the world um I am looking forward to next week I'm looking forward to the Air Force coverage I'm looking forward to a lot of good segments where we can remember um everyone who was lost not only from the Air Force Academy and from Navy on 9-11 but but you know, everyone uh, who was a part of that horrific day 20 years ago. Uh, we're going to bring some really good interviews for that. That's what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to women's soccer coming back home so we can see them in action uh, coming back from this tough uh, road trip in Ohio. And I am really, really looking forward to a post-game report next week where we talk about a W. Wags, what about you? Well, real quick before I get into next week, John, we don't want to forget about our Navy Harriers, and I never ever quite knew what that word meant, but it does refer to cross country. And uh, Navy men's and women's cross country got off to a good start. Navy women went down to Salisbury, the Salisbury Fall Classic, and captured both the team and individual title. Junior Emily Etrich was the individual champion. And then on the men's side, uh, Navy also was the team champion of Salisbury Fall Classic. Murphy Smith, a freshman from Charlotte, was the third place finisher to lead Navy. So that's uh, good news for Navy cross country getting underway. Um, yes, we're all about Air Force Navy earlier, being held earlier than ever, a month earlier than normal. It's going to be very strange. Um, you know, I'm going to talk to members of the 2001 football team, guys like Donnie Fricks, uh, it was a captain, see if I can get a hold of some people and have them remember what it was like. They were in the midst of a season. Uh, they were about to go out to Northwestern to play 
in Chicago area. Um, that game ended up being canceled. And uh, the next Navy football game proved to be a home game. And it was really an unbelievable atmosphere. I'll never forget we had to get there as media at something like 8 o'clock in the morning for a noon start. The Navy used to start the games at noon in those days and because uh, of security. And Lee Greenwood swang uh, Proud to be American on the field. It was a pretty amazing atmosphere. Flyovers, all sorts of patriotic endeavors and um, return of Navy football after a week off. But uh, I'll talk to some of the Navy guys from that 2001 team to see what they remember. And then obviously they graduated and were thrust into the uh, war that ensued as a result of 9-11. Ward, over to you. So I will be headed out to the Tailhook Convention in Reno this week. So I will not be in town for Air Force. I'll be watching it uh, on television at one of the uh, exhibition booths out there uh, next Saturday. Like I did two years ago when Army almost beat Michigan, if you guys remember that. Um, so I'll be, uh, I'll be out of pocket hanging with my carrier aviation buds out there. Um, it's, uh, there's an asterisk on this one. It, it, Reno is a COVID hotspot, a Delta variant hotspot currently. So we got to wear masks uh, for this. It's going to be a sort of a muted evolution as a result. And also I understand that the, uh, the sky is brown out there from the forest fires. So um, it sounds like kind of a dystopian hell, um, but uh, you know, I, I'm excited to see the buds and, and it's good to be back at Tailhook in person, but uh, not in Annapolis this week. So for more on this and many other very cool aviation topics, please check out Ward's YouTube channel. Great content on there. And I know as we get closer and closer to 9-11 that there are going to be uh, some really good segments from that channel. So check that out. Um, I'll tell you what, I, I was really happy with how the weekend went other than the result, um, you know, started our relationship with the graduate hotel, uh, right down there in Annapolis. Um, next week, we're going to start bringing you a little pregame, uh, from the graduate hotel, start your tailgate at the graduate hotel before getting your tailgate in the blue side or the gold side of Navy Marine Corps stadium. Uh, great to see them. Great to take some of our merch. Uh, reminder, you know, from Bill Gibbons to your ears, that if you go into indoor areas at Navy Marine Corps Stadium, you need a mask. It was great, you know, walking around the blue side, handing out masks, handing out some second uh, merch uh, to our fans, to new fans, to uh, parents of players, to friends. It, it was just great walking around and, and having that experience. And, uh, and yeah, uh, thanks to our, um, to our other sponsors, Dry 5 and Naptown Scoop. Um, and if you're interested in sponsoring, uh, please uh, come our way. We, we, would love to, uh, we would love to form a partnership with you as we take this forward in the uh, nascent stages of the 2021 fall sports season for the Naval Academy Athletic Association. We know that uh, Chris Cervello, our intrepid producer, made it home safely. Many thanks to him for producing this. Many thanks to Sheehy Lexus for being the title sponsor of this post-game report. Many thanks to Scott Strassmeyer and Navy Sports Information for our continued access to players, coaches, and staff. And many thanks to you, our listeners. It was so great seeing some of you this weekend. We look forward to seeing you as the season goes on. 
Go Navy. Beat everybody. This is Sing Second Sports. We are out. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of podcast segments.